Welcome to Sympathy for the Devil, a podcast about addiction with James Marshall and Adam Manovic. What is addiction? In this podcast, we explore addiction in its many and varied forms, from sugar to love, from alcohol to gambling, from work to sex. You can get addicted to heroin and alcohol, but can you get addicted to your phone or computer game? In this podcast, we talk to people whose lives have been affected by addiction. This is a program that explores what is and what it means to be addicted. Warning, the content of this program contains material that some people might find disturbing. Hello and welcome to the Sympathy for the Devil podcast. My name's Adam, with me is James. Hi everyone and welcome to Sympathy for the Devil. Sex addiction is quite interesting, isn't it, James? Because some people will claim that sex addiction isn't really an an addiction. Uh, Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's something that we're going to explore in our program is all the ideas of addiction. It's such a kind of broad term and so many different experiences of it and so many different stories and you know sex is something that you know sex sells so that's why we're um doing the first episode with ben he's going to talk about sex and hopefully people will listen and become interested in our program we'll have all different types of people with different types of addiction ben has had a sex addiction in the past and um struggles with his sex addiction uh, I do now. Have one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, he's been kind enough to um, come here and tell his story to us. Um, first of all, look, I'm really interested because it's a bit different to other addictions in in the sense that we were talking about just then. That um, I think there's a bit of discrimination um, towards sex addicts because it is a process and it's natural and it's a need and mm. it's a bit like saying, "Oh, I have a sleep addiction," you know, in in some ways. And so people say, "Oh, you." You can't get addicted to sleep, you know what I mean? So I, I think, um, but clearly it's a problem with some people and it's and it's an addiction. So um, sure. I'm really interested to kind of hear from you, um, first of all, um, I guess, sure. how you how you first started realizing that was a problem for you. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, for me, uh, as a young man, like, you know, sex is great. I want to I I have sex, you know what I mean? That's, that's a good thing. And it's more the merrier. The more the merrier. And, um, you know, you're taught, I guess, as a man, and rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, that, um, you know... For sure. Any, as much sex as you can get is good, like, For sure. really. Well, I grew up in a beach culture, and, you know, like, uh, yeah, the message was, you know, the more, the more the merrier, like you say, and the one you miss out on is the one you'll never get, and there was never any talk of uh, monogamy or connection or, uh, you know, it was really quite uh, basic, which is... Uh, Probably similar to most uh, subcultures in in Australia, you know. Mm. Yeah, but like you say, it is a process addiction. Maybe like eating or food and, and gambling, and so it's not as clearly defined or black and white as a substance abuse problem, for for example. And I think with shame, there's uh, with sex, there's a bit of shame attached too. So there's a moral overtone, which is perhaps. Uh, unique to sex addiction, it doesn't have. It's not as strong that stigma in in other forms of addiction. Yeah. So tell me about, um, I guess, that feeling of shame because um, I was talking to James um, on another episode about uh, 
with my gambling or my gambling addiction that I had, but um, it was like a frenzy. And so you got like wrapped up in the moment and you felt bulletproof and you felt proud and strong. Whereas you're saying this is, and you felt the shame like a lot later on. So it was like kind of like a real byproduct, like, but in mm. the moment you were like feeling the rush and mm. tell me, explain that process to me. Well, uh, I'm, I'm a recovering heroin addict. I, I haven't used heroin for 15 years and I think, you know, part of the reason why I used heroin was, was to reinforce some ideas about myself, some negative ideas that perhaps I, I've had for a long time, that I was bad, unmanageable, etc., etc. And once I put down heroin, I, you know, I really found other ways to reinforce those ideas. You know, so even though I, I'd stopped using, you know, I still had those feelings about myself. Those neural pathways were still telling me the same things about myself. So for me, uh, I found sex uh, as a way to reinforce that. Oh, that's right, you're bad, or you. And that's the moral overtone I was talking about. You know, when you went out Friday and Saturday night, I mean, it's really interesting for me because I would go out Friday and Saturday night when I was younger, wanting to meet girls, but found it very difficult <laughs> to mm. kind of walk up and ask for their number. I mean, that. Tell me about. I mean, that kind of an inner confidence in yourself, isn't it, or was it just the drive? to get a hit well I think it was just that I didn't care whether you know I, I just didn't care uh, about the rejection so uh, by that rationale and I think women are act- attracted to that I think they, they smell it if you're scared of rejection and if you don't and if you don't care and you're moving away that's uh, it makes it a little bit attractive oh really um, tell me, did it manifest in the day, like when you're going to work on the bus or the train? Were you on, were you on the lookout for a hit? Oh, sure. I remember one job I had. I was I was living up the coast. I I got in trouble for using the 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 company line for you know like sex talk stuff. You know, I left a message with the hairdresser downstairs from work that was lewd that I'd slept with once before, and I got in trouble for that. Uh, you know, so yeah, it was it was quite pervasive. You know, I was always uh, you know uh, on the lookout uh, to some extent. You know, yeah. And, and and you mentioned that you went overseas to Amsterdam and you had an experience there. What was that about? Oh yeah, so you know like. Uh, yeah, and in South America, and different places, you know, different experiences with sex and 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 culture, which were, uh, you know, in in hindsight, you know, quite fun when I was younger. I remember one uh, one time, yeah, I was in uh, in Amsterdam and and just about to get a, a train to Berlin. I had a few hours, and I was in the the hotel lobby, and this girl next to me was looking at like uh, bondage and discipline sites. So I sort of said, uh, you know. <laughs> it's like your, your little alarm bells in your head went off, yeah? Yes. <laughs> How are you? How's that? You know, whatever, whatever, chat, chat. And I, okay, and back to the computer. I said, oh, you know, I've got a couple of hours to go. You know, do you want to, do you want to hook up? She said, oh, what are you into? You know, and I said, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, what, what do you like? You know, like, uh, she said, she said, oh, yeah, yeah. So I came up with something, and she said, oh, oh, that's a little vanilla for me. You know, that that world that you were a part of, you know, mm. in those circles, I just think um, stories must be, must be amazing. Like the, peop- the different types of people like you, um, like you told that story just then in Amsterdam, um, you must have kind of met a lot of different people like that that would, I guess, shock um, normal, inverted commas, people out there. 
yeah, perhaps I didn't do, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. There's probably some people out there that would shock me in their, you know, volume and uh, scope. Was there anyone who ever shocked you in, was it other than that Amsterdam woman? Uh, well... She didn't shock me too much. Uh, no, there's, that's not sort of, not really. I mean, uh, I was pretty open, uh, open-minded, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, and I don't, still don't. I don't think view things too morally. You know, I didn't mm. think it was bad. Every, everybody's into what they're into. It was a pleasure. Yeah, mm, yeah, very egalitarian. Yeah, mm. well, that's right. <laughs> Each their own, eh? <laughs> Consenting adults, knock yourself out. It, it, was it just that was your mission of the night, and you and you succeeded more times than not? No, not really. I was sort of sort of just uh, at that age where I was going out every Friday and Saturday night, and yeah, and it was a small period of my life. To be fair, uh, you know, something of a purple patch, perhaps. And I remember a friend, older guy telling me, you know, this is this isn't going to last. This isn't going to last forever. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, yeah, sure it won't. Won't maybe not for you. But in hindsight, yeah, it was a small period of my life where, uh, and and I think that was the very beginning of, of some sex and love addiction for me, where it really worked as a as a drug and the way to to regulate the way I felt. Yeah. Before that, like feeling wore off. Uh, before well, it got less. Before it got, you, the returns got less. Yes, like I said, it's a it's a uh, law of diminishing returns. The more you the more you need, the the more you have, the more you need, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And mm. Yeah, as time goes it's exactly on. exactly the same as gambling, right? In a sense that, um, you know, you could put on a $10 bet and at the beginning of the process, like $10 bet might be, wow, I'm putting on $10 every bet you know, like six times in a minute. Then at the end of the process, it's like I'm putting on $200 bets and that's not enough. And then it's just, For you sure. need you need more. Yeah. For sure. To reach that's a right. climax and, and then you feel all that shame and Definitely. what did I do then? Definitely, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's literally like that. I used to feel shame after I'd finished, and and the only way to redress that shame was eventually to go and get more of the hit. You know, augmenting the the pain with pleasure. As an adolescent, uh, I began experiencing a whole, all the painful feelings of adolescence, and like most kids, I you know. I, I sexualize those feelings, and yeah, I, I think as time went on, uh, and that proved valuable at that time in dealing with, you know, it's either sit with, you know, quite a bit of pain, or, or you know, sexualize the way I felt. So I augmented the pain that I was feeling with pleasure, and as time went on, uh, I think, yeah, I I began experiencing the consequences of not having a, a strong connection or bond or being able to sustain a, a intimate relationship with someone. And that's when I was alerted to the fact that there was a problem. You know? Can you give us an example of that? Uh, an example of... Just a story around that when you realise you had a disconnection, you realise that maybe this is not what it's yeah, about. Yeah, because uh, let me mm. chime in then, because like, you know, with a lot of people, like they have sex with like one girl and then they fall in love and then sure, they get sure. married like that's almost like the complete opposite of what you're saying right sure, now sure sure well yeah you know uh i went to my first like i i, I went and got some help uh maybe in my mid-20s uh because i was i, I don't know uh, 
because I was a part of like a recovery culture then, I was alerted to the fact that uh, I might be replacing drugs with sex and, you know, and yeah, I sort of like, I remember sharing at this meeting that I went to, a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meeting, that I just wanted to be a swinger. My dad's a big swinger. I want to have as much and as varied sex as possible because I love sex, you know. And these guys said, you know, that, that's fair enough, but that might not work out so well. And maybe five years later, I had a girlfriend and I couldn't be faithful to her. I remember uh, cheating on her and then I thought, oh, well, we'll we'll do this swinging thing, you know. And, uh, and it, it had disastrous consequences. Uh, the relationship finished, she said, uh, uh, during the start of swinging with this other couple, it was just like a light switch going off for her, her feelings toward me, she said. And, and I really loved her, and I, and I didn't know how much. When we broke up, I relapsed, I had a heroin overdose, and it had real disastrous consequences. So um, <clears throat> what you're saying was when you couldn't, um, couldn't be faithful, um, uh, you then tried to do it together, tried to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak, and then she didn't like what she saw underneath that surface when when she saw who you really were in that sense. Yes, well, I think yeah, exactly the yeah, exactly. I I think her feelings we we loved each other and uh, those feelings were really compromised in uh, in a, a situation where there was no real intimacy. Yeah, is that what uh, I mean? Intimacy. You bring that word up, it's really interesting in terms of relationships and sexual relationship because it's the ultimate kind of intimate intimate sure. moment is that physical connection when you mm. when you connect physically. But that's not what's happening with sex addiction, is it? It's not about intimacy. Well, it's more about an escape from intimacy than intimacy itself. You know, it's sort of like, uh, in my experience anyway, uh, I think I've been... Yeah, scared of real intimacy and scared to be loved. So I've used sex and infidelity uh, to avoid, you know, the the, the the dreadful prospect of being loved. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you did say uh, with that woman who you really were in love with, you didn't realise until you it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so perhaps like she tricked you in a way, like you know that relationship was a bit of a trick. The fact that you felt very secure and then all of a sudden it was taken away. Yeah, I don't know, a, a trick. It was a real learning experience uh, for me. Uh, and the what I learned from it is that I, as a child, as growing up when I was young, the initial ideal I had around the more the merrier sort of thing and, and swinging might be a great thing was really exposed in the light of day for me as uh, as not su- not sustainable. You know, that's actually not what I want. I want a connection with 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 somebody. Uh, and like you said, James, you know, I think, yeah, the the act of of, of making love or, is the most intimate you can be with another human being. And for me, yeah, I distorted that. You know, I've I've distorted that all my life. You know. Have you met um, other people like you along your journey? Plenty. Yes. Um, tell, tell me about that. Uh, tell me about some of those people, and tell me how's it like having that mirror up yeah. to yourself. Well, it's interesting, you know, because I thought I was a bit of a a sex addict, you know, you know, I don't know. Uh, when I was younger, you know, I guess there was some volume uh, of women, some experimenting with men, whatever. But I go to some of these meetings, and there were guys, you know, that had been, uh, 
you know, slept with 10 different guys in a session at a sex club or something, you know. So it wasn't, it's not necessarily about uh, what you do uh, and more how it makes you feel. Uh, and I guess uh, love addiction also has been uh, an aspect for me that I was blind to for a very long time. Because I go to these meetings and the girls would share as love addicts. Oh, I'm a love addict. And the guys would, I'm a sex addict, you know. And there's this more like bad boys, good girls sort of thing. Uh, but the truth is I've really suffered from a whole lot of, lot of love addiction too. What, what, but were the love addicts or the sex addicts in the same room at the same time? Of course. <laughs> That's interesting in itself, isn't it? Like, yes. The love addicts you, would you inevitably hook up with the uh, sex addicts, <laughs> but not for sex. Some people had come in thinking, oh, yeah, this will be interesting. But very few like hookups happened. Uh, relationships actually happened. A fair bit of relationships happened in there, and there's a sort of like different way to engage in relationship that's uh, suggested, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. mentioned before the relationship you had that you love someone and you were ultimately looking for intimacy but running in the opposite direction to where mm. you wanted to go um, through your kind of introspection about your, your behaviors what else has happened in terms of relationships because I'm interested in the idea of love intimacy with someone who suffers from this behavioral condition sure so I guess in and of itself, sex, you know, fine, knock yourself out or whatever. But for me, maybe I've had half a dozen relationships in my life, uh, some significant ones too. I was married once and I've got a child who's almost six. The relationship with his mother was particularly important. In all of those relationships, I wasn't able to maintain fidelity and hence I caused some profound damage. And that's part of the reason why I identify as a sex and love addict and I'm looking for recovery because my behaviour in those relationships has been staggeringly selfish. Adam talked about, when he was talking about his gambling, talked about a rock bottom, um, mm. which I guess is a place where you go emotionally, physically, I don't know, spiritually, mentally, to a really dark place and then you realise I have to do something about that. Mm. Could you... Tell us if that's your case and what happened. Sure. Firstly, I think all addiction, to some extent, all active addiction is an attempt to escape the pain of the moment. And, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I did that a lot with sex. Uh, and it was, and also, more recently, identifying as a love addict. But I think my rock bottom, and there's been a few, uh, perhaps as... Uh, drug addicts or other people, uh, gamblers may relate, but the the really big one was the relationship with my son's mother, and uh, and the real clarity that I got from not just hurting another person or myself, but but the fact that my my son was going to miss out on a family as a large result of my infidelity. That must have been like a really big, um, a really a big kind of shock for you, and really kind of emotionally hard to to deal with. Like, I can't imagine that happening to me. I have a daughter; she's mm. two two years old now. Mm. Um, yeah, talk to talk yeah. to me about how that must have felt. Well, you know, you you, you know, as a parent, you, you you can't press rewind. You know, it's it's like the one chance that I had to give my son a family that I didn't have was. 
was ruined and it's been an extremely difficult like five years since breaking up with the kid's mum and just accepting that that's never going to happen you know that dream was over and the yeah the the pain that I caused her and him and and you know in the in the whole light of day the pain that I've caused other people is profound and yeah it's just not okay anymore for me you know Mm. Um, I kind of sense this like um, like a lot of sadness from you. Obviously, we're talking about a lot of sad things. Mm. Um, like again, like you know, with with what you're talking about, um, you're saying you're selfish and things like that. But at the end of the day, like, do you think you're a slave to what to to, to your environment when you're growing, or a slave to like your I guess biological drive? Is there something inherently different about how you're raised or how okay. you're made up? genetically to make you who you are because so so i guess yeah you know the whole nature versus nurture thing and why i'm a sex addict and so forth uh, is a matter of opinion uh, and because it can't i don't think be sort of empirically proven one way or the other but for me my, my parents were very young they they weren't together uh, i was going to be adopted or i wasn't breastfed etc etc you know so there was and my, my dad uh yeah it was sort of he's a sex addict and he smoked a lot of dope when I grew up and my mum was you know like worked a lot and drank a bit fair bit you know so I don't know they weren't the perfect parents but but I guess now that I'm a parent I realize no no parent is you know so it's it's hard to tell uh but yeah my mother was absent for for important periods of my childhood and my connection with her wasn't perhaps as strong as it could have been so if I'm looking for reasons why I've sought female affection, uh, it wouldn't be hard to find some there, you know. And so my, you think that might have something to do with it? Like you're saying, you're saying it can't be proven or you're saying that maybe it does have something Well, to do it with can't it. be proven one way or the other. But my opinion is, yes, that I've adapted strategies to cope in life as a result of the initial experience I had as a child. Uh, and these the strategies have in, included uh, sex and drugs. Because mm. ultimately, I mean, like you know, all all addictions have a psychological element. So maybe that just added to your perfect storm in that in that sense. Unfortunately, sure, um, sure. And and listen, like uh, I had some amazing times too, uh, both using drugs before I stopped and having sex before I stopped. You know, uh, I think what happens, I th- I think if if, a, if an addict uh, feels a little less than a normal, for whatever's normal, but the usual person and and drugs and and sex or an external validation makes them eleva- elevated to a greater extent than a normal person. It's natural that you're going to want to 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 visit that, you know, again yeah. and again and again. Yeah, it's the nature of addiction. Sure, mm. and and really, there's no real substitute for for how you feel inside, you know. Yeah, mm. uh, but in those swingers' environments, like, mm. aren't Every, isn't everyone looking looking for the same thing that quick fix or is it isn't that not your experience i guess everyone is looking for a quick fix and uh yeah to an extent it was it's pleasurable but just for me I, there's no real sustaining uh value you know there was no it was a pretty empty sort mm. of experience for me and my like i said my inability to sustain a, an intimate connection with somebody as a result of the infidelity and sex addiction is the real reason and the and the pain that I've caused other people. In and of itself, I don't think, you know, there's anything wrong with that behaviour. 
Mm. It's yeah, just that there's feelings involved, you know. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot in kind of what you just talked about, uh, especially I was interested before when you went back to in, in, a, in a kind of group situation where you've been in group and there's women and men and the women kind of identify as love addicts and the men as sex addicts. Um, can you talk a little bit about the difference that you've kind of noticed in what men want and what women want in intimacy and sexual contact? Uh, I can't speak for women, obviously, about what they want, uh, but it seems like they're more attuned to the connection uh, and to wanting intimacy rather than, you know, and men, I'm not sure whether it's a biological drive or whatever, seem to be, there's a focus on sex. Uh, Just when you were, say, had five girlfriends hmm. and at once and they all wanted intimacy with you to a certain extent, how did that make you feel? Well, the, the truth is I didn't think much about what they wanted. <laughs> and it, hence uh, the, the selfishness <laughs> involved. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, to some extent, uh, it takes two to tango and, and, and uh, there is a, an investment uh, of anybody in doing what they are actually doing. So, but I find the love addiction aspect very uh, interesting too. Uh, for me, I, I never identified as a love addict for a long, long time. And I had three different experiences with three different women relationships. And the, the first one, the girl hadn't uh, slept with anybody for 10 years. She was completely you know, like sexually anorectic to some extent. Uh, and yeah, my thinking around it was, oh, now it'll be different with me. You know, and that's that's that fantasy is a big part of the love addiction. I just made up my whole narrative around what was possible and what was going to happen. The second one was a, a Russian prostitute looking for a visa and a, a lovely girl. I knew her socially, whatever, beautiful, but essentially a Russian prostitute looking for a visa. <laughs> Uh, you know, and and my, did the alarm bells go off in your in your head? Well, uh, they should have. They should have. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they didn't was the problem. Nobody was saying it was a good idea. You know, <laughs> and then the third one, there's a girl, a girl in prison on methadone. You know, and it took that third one. You know, and and you know, like to to realise that I was just. How did that work? With a girl in prison on methadone. Exactly. Did... Oh, I mean, I couldn't get a more unavailable. Conjugal person. visits, yeah. but but in my mind, yeah, it was all going to happen. You know, it was all, you know, match made in, in uh, in heaven. You know, and and I, I think what what addiction at its core is is an avoidance of reality, an avoidance of some painful feelings, mostly loneliness. You know, so to avoid loneliness, you know, people will go to great lengths, tell themselves great stories about what's going to happen and what's not. I'm wondering, uh, from your perspective, because um, I guess you've met other people through through groups and recovery um, uh, recovery programs that have that you've seen a lot and observed a lot about addiction. Why is it some people like yourself and mate Adam and me um, choose to try and do something about it and really look at themselves? Why? What? What is it about some people that manage to be able to do that? Uh. Who knows? I guess everybody has their own bandwidth, you know. Uh, 
everybody has their own limitations. And for me, getting sober sexually is about having an emotional sobriety as well as a physical one. And, you know, I'm embarrassed by the length of time that it's taken me to take the full measure of recovery in this area. Uh, But, yeah, I guess people are able to do what they can do when they can do it, you know. What, What do you mean by emotional sobriety? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and for a long time, I didn't really understand what people talk about when they talk about emotional sobriety. I think mainly because it wasn't available to me. But it means to me today being able to regulate the way I feel without using sex and love, without, you know, just like for a drug addict, getting clean means you got to, you know. Uh, so so I, I think I've been clean from drugs and alcohol for almost 15 years. And that's been one thing, and it's been amazing. But on another level, I've lacked the emotional maturity uh, of somebody free from the disease of addiction because I have transferred the drug addiction to sex and love addiction. Mm. Do you think it is a disease, and what do you mean by the disease of addiction? Well, it causes disease, uh, and I guess it's termed a a disease uh, in the framework, so... I think it is. I think I've used, and the way I perceive it is that I've used sex and love as a, just like a drug, just like I did heroin, to change the way I feel, to augment pain with pleasure, uh, yeah, to escape reality. I've needed more. The more I have, the more I need. That sort of thing. It's just it suffered the law of diminishing returns, just like, just like uh, drugs did. And really, I haven't. I don't think that I've given it up. It's given me up. You know, it just stopped working, and it stopped working for a long time, and that's become very painfully evident. To the extent that I've become quite depressed, and I'd never experienced depression before. And so, as much as the external consequences, internally, I became really unhappy, and that was a big catalyst for change for me. So, what do you mean by it's given you up? Let's just explain that a bit. Well. I feel like it stopped working for me. Whereas once, when I when I was younger, it delivered a sex was an end unto itself. You know, there was no more important thing. As long as I had that, things were great. You know, but as time's gone on, I see that yeah, for me, the act is particularly empty in and of itself. And that lack of connection with another human being, that lack of enduring quality of relationship and dignity and esteem and integrity, they've been really important things. And hence, I've felt really, really bad internally. And like I said, experienced depression, whereas I've never felt depressed previously. And those have been the big catalysts for, for change. Uh, ben, I just wanted to touch on uh, pornography. Do you see that as part of sex addiction, your, your story, or is it separate kind of condition in its in our life itself so i i guess again you know everyone's different for me i I didn't i viewed a fair bit of porn but not that wasn't my main thing like there are some people that are that are you know heavily porn addicted and yeah it's just and again i don't think it's a moral but it's a bad thing porn or whatever but for me for people who that who it's it's part of something that I can't stop and use like a drug. I can't look at any porn, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, so it operates on the same 
kind of hit level it's in, on the the same fa- in the same family. Definitely, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of work done and studies done on it, and uh, you know, it's it's a particularly stimulating thing, porn, and. Yeah, I think for me, it's just another escape from from intimacy. You know, it's very hard to connect with your partner when you've got all these, you know, when you've been blown away by some porn or all these sort of like pornographic images in your in your head. I guess it's we connect in different ways, don't we? The whole social media th- thing these days, and uh, you know. Uh, and Tinder and you know it's instant gratification instant gratification and yeah I guess for me yeah it's part of the whole social media thing looks like uh, for me it's a lot a lot about looking for external gratification you know how many people like your your page or you know all that sort of bullshit so you know I don't go on Facebook you know uh, because and essentially I'm 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 trying to not look for external gratification. I'm trying to, you know, uh, yeah, be happy with what, what, who I am and how I feel and be more open to what's happening internally uh, for me and in connection with my son and my friends and family, etc. Mm. Yeah, but it's all out there, all the Tinder, all the social media, yeah, so, all the porn. You know? So, like, yeah. is tin, like, when Tinder came out and when these dating um, sites came out, this must have been another outlet for you, like so, sure. Just, was, it, was it exciting at the time? Oh, sure. You I know. could see Tinder would be a real buzz, a real hit. Yeah, yeah. You know, swiping. So I didn't do much of that because I just knew if I was going to do that, I wouldn't be doing anything else. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and I, I think it lends itself to a whole lot of fantasy, and I think a big part of sex and love addiction is all about fantasy. You, you know, you see someone and you project. <gasps> What's you know what could happen? What what what's possible there? It's all actually going on in your mind. In reality, you know, so you project about what's going to happen. Whatever, avoid the pain of the moment. Uh, it's far easier just to look for, you know, somebody who likes me. Wow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. can you tell me more about um, that thrill of the chase and how do you close a deal and those types of things? Because I. I, um, with gambling, is I always go back to gambling because that's the only one I understand. Is there's a as an apprehension and an excitement when you put on a bet. Let's start when every bet just starts. It's it's also a process yeah, thing. Yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. me about like how do you when you meet someone like how do you what's the process? Is there have you got like a process that works or that makes sense? Well, w- w- when I was younger, I'd get a huge hit from you know from the fact that. Someone was interested in me, you know, and we were going to hook up. You know, it was a huge thing. And in, increasingly less, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, it's barely uh, registers uh, toward the end of my uh, active sex and love addiction. But, yeah, it was it was a thrill. Uh, and, yeah, now it's not, not much at all. So I don't do it. Mm. Mm. But was it um, when you're in your addiction and you were after the hit, and you met someone, was it about a relationship or was it about just getting this drug in a sense? Mm. Well, for me, I sort of like had this Madonna whore complex thing going on where I, I wanted to 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 fuck essentially uh, like girls that I, I considered weren't worthy of a relationship. But the girl that I wanted for a relationship was beyond redemption and, and I, I actually couldn't fuck her or make love to her because she was beyond redemption, 
you know, so it was a horrible thing. Well, why, why do you think that is? Like, that's a strange, that's, that's a, to me, that's, that's, that's strange. Like, I, I can't understand mm. that. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I don't actually know. Uh, it, it has some, uh, perhaps some genesis in the way I, I viewed women and idealized uh, women to some extent. And I, I think I did ha- idealize all those women that I was in relationship with as if they were perfect. And the truth is nobody's perfect, you know. And similarly, those girls that I thought weren't worthy of a relationship and were just okay to have sex with, you know, I think, uh, yeah, my, my value judgments around them weren't great either. So for me, I, I need a really black and white recovery to deal with the grey areas of living mm. because it's... That emotional quite, quite, clarity you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because it's not a substance, because it's nebulous to some extent and everybody... I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs dictates that sex is a, a need. Uh, you know, just like you've got to eat, uh, it's difficult. And, uh, you know, uh, society's geared towards selling sex and how important sex is, and it's everywhere. Sex is everywhere. So, yeah, for me, it, it, it takes practice. But it's like anything, you know, you once you, you do something and practice it, so not start not sexualizing women, uh, it becomes second nature to some extent. And then... For sure, the way I look at women and treat women is 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 a lot different. Mm. And the truth is, I think you know, like the Buddha said, uh, you know, the way you treat other people is the way you treat yourself. I think I've treated women really poorly a lot of my life, and they make up half the population. And uh, yeah, nobody really benefits from that. Um, is there any part of you that misses that buzz, that hit that you had when you were younger? Yes, yes, I think there is. I think. Uh, but it's not, uh, I see pretty, because I'm so conscious about what it means for me, I see through the initial hit and the rush uh, to what it actually means, the reality of it. I've, so I've got friends that it's still working for them, they get a lot of women, etc. And yeah, sometimes I can think, damn, that'd be good. Uh, but the real truth is I'm very close to how it really affects me and and the wider implications of that behavior for me. And so... Yeah, I don't really miss that. No. I wish you well in your journey and your um your lifelong journey to recovery, and um, and, you know, I hope um nothing but good things for you in the future. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing your story, Ben. Thanks, James. Fantastic. To join the discussion, visit our Facebook page, Sympathy for the Devil Podcast, and let us know what you think. Thank you.